Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Today with Shara Watson. Shara and I recently met, and Shara, I can't even remember. I think you had reached out to me, and I was like, What you do sounds really cool. So let's talk some more. And now here we are. <laughs> so share with everyone who's watching now and on the replay later who you are and what you do. And we'll just dive in from there. Yeah, sure. So my name is Shara Watson. I am the founder and creator of the Providers DOO. Um, this program is for office managers, specifically in the healthcare and dental industries, and it's to elevate them into a director of operations. Um, I'm also a military spouse. I'm a mom to three beautiful babies, and oh, here I am. So tell me the story of how you started doing what you do now, because it's not like you just came out of the womb and you were like, no. I'm going to help doctors create awesome, um, elevated team members the yes. journey that you went on that <laughs> yes <laughs> you so, I'd love to I've been in the healthcare space and dental space for about 15 years collectively um I started in the back office you know doing medical assisting and then I transitioned to the front office and I just moved my way up through the office until I landed in the office manager role but after a couple of years the practitioner decided he wanted to merge with another office in the community and then we wanted to expand locations. And pretty soon, like after a couple of years, we had a 25 team practice. Um, we were in three locations. So we grew really fast. So my role obviously grew too. So I was no longer just doing implementation. I moved into strategy and management. But as I was going through that, it was 100% a lot of trial and error. And that's the honest truth. I fell on my face a lot while I was trying to figure this out because I didn't have any resources. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't, I couldn't find a course, anything to really help me navigate this new role. And at the same time, luckily, I was also getting my bachelor's in business management. And so that significantly helped because then I was getting some pieces that I was looking for. But overall, it was the trial and error and figuring out how do I sit more into this role as a director of operations and get out of implementation and office manager role? So that's how I figured it out. It's really cool actually to hear that as you studied business that you felt like it was actually helpful for you because I studied business in my undergraduate degree um, and I felt like it was like it was a good program as far as I knew at that time. But then when I like got into the real world, you know, after chiropractic school, I was like, I don't think I learned anything that was actually helpful <laughs> really running a business. Yes. And I just had to figure it out on my own from there. Oh, absolutely. It gave a foundation, but that's where that trial and error really came into place and really figuring out how to work with my visionary. You know, he had such a big vision of everything that he wanted to do. And yeah. I was like, okay, how do I execute? And how do I take this knowledge? How do I take this error? How do I put it together and make an actionable step that's going to make a difference moving forward? So it helped, but it wasn't the solution. Right. So I just want to take a pause and, and say, like, for anyone that's watching right now, I can see comments. If you type them in, if you have questions for, for Shar as we go along, just put them into the comments and I'll try to get them weaved into our time together today so that 
she can answer your questions while we're here. Yeah. Okay. So talk more about the challenges that you see that practice owners have um, when it comes to like growing a team. What are the, what are the things that you hear people complain about the most? Um, biggest, the biggest number one thing that I hear is that the providers are saying that they're doing everything. So there's four main principles of business ownership. It's vision, strategy, management, and implementation. So to the provider, they feel like that they're at least doing the vision, strategy, and management, and then they have a team to do the implementation. Yeah. But what falls more than anything after that is the collaboration piece, is that the culture isn't built to be a collaborative culture. And so instead of the team members stepping up or doing more or expanding their capabilities, the provider's doing all of that because you don't know how to build that culture. So that's the number one thing that I really have noticed. And then because of that, they obviously create their own glass ceiling and they hit it every single time because they're doing too much. You know, in addition to holding those principles, they're also being the practitioner. They're also doing the client care. And so they just have too much on their plate and they don't know how to facilitate a culture that can support them in their growth. Yeah. So then what are they to do? I mean, I see the same, the same challenges, right? Especially um, for women, they have women that have kids, they've got a family at home, they're trying to, you know, keep the house in order and their kids in order. And um, then they've got to go to work, take care of the people, the the patients. And most of us here in this group work hands-on and we see one person at a time. So it's very time consuming to do the work that we do. Then on top of that, on top of all of that, as if that wasn't enough, then we also have to manage the business, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So yep. how does a person even start um, to like get out of this mess? <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing is really doing a self-assessment. Where are your strengths and what do you want to do? You know, is your goal just to be a single practitioner Do you want to say as a solopreneur, do you want to build a team? I think it's really getting clear on your strengths and where you want to go and then really assessing the team from there. Um, One of my favorite tools is the Colby index. Um, I love that one because I feel like it really helps get a clear understanding of everybody's mode of operation and you can really learn how this person operates and what their capabilities are. It's actually a requirement if they want to come into the director of operations program, the office manager has to take the Colby because they need to meet certain marks or else they're really not going to be able to fulfill the role correctly. So really getting that clear understanding of where they want to go, what are the strengths that we have in their practice, and then you're going to be able to identify where are the gaps. What do we need? Do we need to bring in another team member? Do I need to outsource something? It really will help you just really get a clear like overall 30,000 point view of what you need. So then you can start making the changes. Yeah. And I would, I would just add to that quickly, that I think it's important for the business owner to make sure that if they're using personality tests of any kind or like strength tests, I use strengths finders. We use human design, which is a little woo. <laughs> I love human design. Um, there's another one that we also use the Enneagram. There's uh-huh. one I'm forgetting. We, like we have this all mapped out for all of our team members and you know who I had to start with was me. Like I had to know if I'm, if I'm the only person that's like going to be in this business, like I'm the only one that can't leave or can't be replaced, then I need to know what my strengths are so I can build a team around me to support the growth of the business to 
fill in the gaps. Like I'm, I'm visionary. And, um, one of my strengths, I think was like intellect. Like I can come up with big ideas and like inspire people, mm-hmm. but I'm not good with details. So I need to have people on my team who are, you know, who are really strong in like the details and following through, following up on things. But when I started to see that, like through the test that I had taken, it was really validating for me because it was like, oh, I'm trying to do all these things that I'm actually not naturally good at, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't even be spending my time on in the first place. So it gave me permission yeah. to stop doing the things I didn't even really want to do and find people that could do those things instead who are good at them. Yes, exactly. It really does give you that permission. And that's why I said you need to do the self-assessment first. Leaders have to go first. You really have to get a clear a clear understanding of who you are and where your strengths are, but where your weaknesses are too. Because like you said, then you have to build a team around that. I was just muting myself because my kids were running around in the kitchen and the living room. I don't know if you could hear them or not, but they were kind yeah, of loud. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's just life. I, you know, um, there was a video last year that kind of came up in my memories on Facebook of me sitting at a window. Like I was literally sitting on the floor at my old house, um, sitting in the window because there was sunlight coming in. I had my phone propped up. I didn't even have like a little stand or anything to put it in because I was too broke to buy one. And I have my phone just sitting up against the window on the windowsill. And my kiddo comes up behind me as I'm doing this live video and trying to like, you know, be um, inspiring or whatever I was talking about. She's got this little toy pig and she's dancing around on my head. And I was like, hey, everybody, this was me six years ago. And now this is everyone. (laughs) Everyone is home working with their kids, you know, doing gymnastics and tumbling. Um, in our offices while we're trying to get things done. So it's just real life. Okay. It is real life. It is. (laughs) So here's a question from Leslie. Leslie Leslie says, so do you have anyone that works within your organization to take various personality tests? Hmm. I might need Leslie to rephrase that question a little bit because I'm not quite sure what she means. Do you, do you know, she says, do you have anyone that works within your organization to take various personality tests? Oh, I think she means, do you have everyone who works in your organization to take those personality tests? I definitely would suggest doing that. Um, I would very first go, you go first, you take the personality, even personality though, I feel like those aren't as strong as they can be. I would focus more on the Colby and the human design. I really love the human design. Um, human design isn't a requirement for direct reparations, just I know, but I do love it. Um, and then, and then for sure have your office manager go next, but if you do have the whole team, you're going to be able to really see like, okay, the whole team collectively works like this. And I can see that this person needs this, or this person is stronger in that. That means when you're doing projects, when you're needing to assess areas that need help in the practice that aren't getting done, then you know who you can go to that can fulfill these roles. So absolutely have the whole team go through it. But at least at minimum, start with you and start with your office manager. Yeah, they're part of our hiring process now. So mm-hmm. if we're considering a candidate, like they have to get through a couple of steps before they get to this part. But if we're considering hiring someone, then they're going to take the um, strengths finders test for us and human design, the Enneagram, and the one that I cannot remember at the moment, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that just has to know, I can look it up because we have it all documented and I can share it with you later. Okay, so... <clears throat> 
I would love to talk with you more about how someone knows like when it's time to make this leap. I mean, it's one thing to like hire an office assistant, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe they already have an office assistant, but they're still feeling really overwhelmed. How do they know that it's time to, to either find a, what's the word that you use? Is it director of operations? Director of operations. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Or to like groom someone um, to like mold someone into grow, like to develop, develop someone into that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, there's a couple of different faucets that we have to look at. To be completely honest, one of them is the financial benchmarks. Really understanding like where you are financially with the practice. If you have a healthy margin that you can support team growth, then that's a really good indication to get started. Typically, that looks like having a six-figure practice. Um, the next one is the mindset of you as a leader. This is a hard conversation. And so to everyone, I'm not trying to offend. I'm just trying to be completely candor here. But you have to be able to be in a position where you want to build something bigger than yourself and you want a team to support you. If you're looking at it like, I have something that I want to get done and I have nobody to help me and you're just very like singular in your thinking, you're not going to be able to really utilize this ability in your practice fully because mm-hmm. because of that you're on a singular track you have to connect to a bigger vision and know that your team's going to support you like know they're going to fill in weaknesses and provide strengths where you don't have it or that you don't want to be in and so those, those are like the two main ones that we really have to look at we have to first just make sure that we financially are there that it makes sense our benchmarks are there but two like are you as a leader there too Is your mindset ready for that Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I love that you have like a a specific benchmark, you know, just an objective measurement to help someone know um, that this might be the right next step for them. Because especially in the hands-on practice, if you're, if you're, if you're a business, I just try to say business and practice in the same word. If your business is bringing in a hundred thousand dollars or more, you're pretty busy. (laughs) You're pretty busy with the number of people that you're serving. So it's, like you've got a proven business model at that point mm-hmm. and you have the ability to, to grow and to scale bigger than what you probably ever thought possible, but it's going to require you to be someone different than who you are now in order yes. to make it happen yep, and exactly. to, have team to help you along the way. So what, what would you say someone could expect in the process of finding and developing their director of operations? Um, first after you do the Colby score, I would start there and really see, does your office manager fit the role? So the number one thing is they need to be a high fact finder. They need to be able to sort out the details and look for the details. If they don't have that, they're not going to be able to be successful in the role. If they're more of a quick start um, or more of an implementer, then they're not going to be successful in the role because that's, that's literally more of the implementation principle doing it's like the task oriented and so they can't get into that strategy and management mindset either and so even if they went through the program they wouldn't really develop those core strengths because that's not their mo um (coughs) sorry so if you don't have the right office manager in place you can start looking for one obviously but you're going to, you kind of have a catch 22 here because if you're looking for someone that's a seasoned director of operations, that's going to be a higher point that you have to pay salary wise. And if you have an office manager that you develop into director of operations, so you kind of have like, you, 
you kind of have to figure out there is it worth bringing in that person and having and having that higher salary can i afford it and that's why we have to really evaluate your financial benchmarks um but if you can't i would obviously recommend working internally and moving your office manager up and letting your office manager build the team underneath them for the implementation because mm-hmm. financially that's going to be more sound for you doing mm-hmm. the investment that way than bringing in someone that's seasoned yeah it makes perfect sense okay so my next question for you is what are the disadvantages or maybe the downfalls that come along with developing the director of operations or, or even just like working with one Oh, that's a good question. And to be frank, I think the biggest downfall would just be the mindset. If you're not there, if you're not ready to hand off the strategy and management, then that's your downfall. You're going to be at a constant chaos, basically, because you're not stepping out of these roles and not fully stepping in the CEO and visionary role Mm -hmm. to hand it off. That's Mm -hmm. your downfall. But truth be other than that, if you're ready and you're, you're ready to build that team, I don't see a downfall. I've been doing it obviously for a long time and I've built many, many, many office managers to do the same thing. And I've never, ever had anybody come back and be like, that was the worst decision in my life. I don't know why I did that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Okay. So let's wrap up on this. Like if you could describe what it looks like to work with, okay. To be the practice owner, um, and to work with or to have on your team a director of operations? Like what's the day-to-day look like? Yeah, sure. So this is where you start to think a little bit bigger. Um, If you're looking at it like, okay, let's say that we're gonna look at our year-to-year goal and we're gonna put together a strategy for the next four quarters. Well, your director of operations is going to be the one that's going to break that down into monthly, weekly, daily tasks. They're going to be the one that makes sure that that strategy gets executed. They're going to fill in the holes. They're going to manage the pieces. They're, they can in some way still have implementation. It depends on where you are with your financial benchmarks. Um, so they can have some of that piece. But overall, they're going to be the one that's like scooting you here, you go be the CEO, you go be the visionary, be the practitioner, and I'm going to make sure that the strategy gets executed and I'm going to manage all of the pieces. So mm-hmm. that mean that that means looking at like your metrics on a day and weekly, monthly basis. That means managing the team. That means all of these different areas. I mean, you're looking at HR, you're looking at profits, you're looking at projects. It's all of that and you are giving it to them. So their day-to-day in essence can really vary but those are the core functions that they're really going to be working on on a day-to-day basis. Well, as I listen to you describe that, I can hear people like I can hear them thinking, Oh my gosh, I don't know that I could trust someone with that. What are your thoughts? <laughs> it's a hard transition, huh? So part of the program, what we do, cause I've noticed that too. At first when I was doing this, to be completely honest, um, I didn't have enough support in place. And so it's kind of like we went through this like honeymoon phase and everybody's like geared up and ready to go. And this is exciting. But then reality hits and then you have situations and problems and whatever, because that's life. And I didn't have the support built for them. So to be honest, you're going to go through a transition period. At first, it's going to seem amazing. We're all excited. Everybody's on board. But then as you get into the situations, we've built in that support. So what it looks like is the program is four months long, but your office manager has me as your coach. And then you as the visionary, as a CEO, you have your own coach too. 
to help mm. you with that transition, to help you into that leadership. Yeah. But then yeah. following that, we have them for eight more months where they can still join us on group calls on a weekly basis so that when the situations and things come up, then we can help you walk through that. So to answer the question, it doesn't seem like it's that hard for everybody to start because they're at that place. They're ready to go. It's the afterwards. It's after we get past that honeymoon phase and we actually hit situations that's like, oh, shoot, did I make the wrong decision? We're not. It's just that you're learning how to navigate differently. That's really what it comes down to. I just love this conversation because, um, I mean, my program name is Work Less, Live More. (laughs) And one of the reasons that I have the time freedom that I do is because I have an amazing team of people who are working behind the scenes and like they're doing pretty much everything that I don't, I want to say that I don't have to do, but it's like, I'm only doing what I have to do and they're taking Mm -hmm. care of all the rest. Yeah. So um, that's a huge component of being able to work less, live more, travel more with your kids, homeschool your kids, whatever it is you want to do. Um, having the having those people that you trust makes it so much more possible. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. And I love what you're doing. I think it's incredible. And I think it's incredibly needed to have that permission to do what you want, however you want, you know, and you're like literally giving that permission slip to so many that need it. And especially as moms, I know that that's been a real struggle to really say like, this is exactly what I want. And I want to build a life exactly like this. It's hard to say what we want. So I love what you're doing and paving that path for them. Okay. So if there is someone that's either with us live today, watches the replay later, or listens to your interview on the podcast and wants to learn more about the program that you offer, where is the best place for them to go to learn more? Yeah, they can go to the website. It's just the providersdoo.com, really easy. Um, there's a couple of different options we have. So obviously our main one is moving your office manager into the director of operations. It's a long-term approach. It's going to give you that longevity and scalability. Um, the other option is having a fractional director of operations, which is myself. But to determine which one you really need, honestly, the best next step is just to jump on a call. And let's just talk about where you're at and what you need and what your goals are to really decipher like what your next step would be. Awesome. Thank you so much. So don't forget that if you are listening on the podcast, you can find our show notes on the website and we'll include the link to, well, the link to Shara's website there. You can go find her, I'm sure also on social media, but um, again, I just want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us because this is something that I feel like is so needed. It's, um, there's not a whole lot available for us that helps us to really think bigger while also knowing that thinking bigger doesn't have to mean working more. It can actually mean working less. So keep that in mind. (laughs) Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdanielleaton.com and click free.